Let's talk first of all, a big story on the front page of the Sunday Mirror. It's not a new story, actually. Uh, Sean Bailey, the former mayoral candidate for the London mayor uh, who was beaten by Sadiq Khan at the last London election, he uh, was pictured some time ago at a party with a bunch of his mates uh, and they were, of course, uh, breaking block lockdown rules in the uh, manner of things in Westminster. Anyway, a video has now come out, uh, which is rather shocking, proving just how much they didn't seem to feel, the Westminster mob didn't seem to feel the right rules applied to them and they're actually sort of talking about, oh, don't tell anyone about the lockdown rules and all this. So it is quite shocking and uh, today Michael Gove, uh, appeared on the telly. He was uh, uh, not uh, shy in coming forth about what he felt about this video. Let's have a look. So we all accepted a curtailment of liberty. Well, you didn't. And then, These people didn't accept And then a we see this, and naturally, anyone looking at this video is going to be extremely angry. Should you say sorry to people this morning for this? This was happening in your party headquarters. We know it happened in Downing Street on your party's watch. Should you apologise? Yes, I am sorry. I do apologise, um, unreservedly. So there's Michael Gove. Let's have a look at the video that emerged. As I say, this is not a brand new story. The, the uh, story came out, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, but certainly a year or so ago. And Sean Bailey, uh, as he stated today, said, I've already apologised for this. So, But it's this video that brings it into sharp focus. Let's have a look at the video. I think you might be quite shocked by this. Exclusive video obtained by the Mirror shows a Christmas party organised by Sean Bailey's London mayoral election campaign team in the basement of the Conservative campaign HQ during strict Covid restrictions. It's the first time footage has emerged of one of the rule-breaking parties in Westminster. The man in the braces is Ben Mallett, who was Bailey's campaign manager. He was given an OBE in Boris Johnson's honours list. Video was so filmed on December fourteenth, twenty twenty, at a time of socialising. Like, those two uh, people dancing. I don't think we're going to see them on Strictly anytime soon. But uh, they're talking about oh, don't tell anyone about the lockdown rules. All oh, here, better keep this quiet. And there they are, all dancing away. Uh, as I say, this isn't the first time we've seen this party, but this is the video. I mean, it does reveal that the Westminster class didn't feel that the uh, lockdown regulations that we were all uh, having imposed on us applied to them. This was at a time when people were not able to see uh, their elderly loved ones in care homes. This was at a time, uh, you know, when we weren't allowed out. This was at a time when we weren't allowed to go to work. And uh, they're having this party. Unbelievable. Yeah, do as we say, but not as we do type thing. I mean, it's terrible. I actually think it's completely disgusting. You know, we pay our taxes for our politicians to adhere to certain standards. And also they were telling millions of people right across the country to shut down their businesses, close schools, adhere to draconian restrictions, some of which were ridiculous. There was collateral damages, impacts on waiting lists, business, the economy, the cost of living crisis is connected to that. Whether we agreed with it or not, millions of people sacrificed a lot, a huge cost. And yet time and time again, we're seeing evidence of our government brazenly behaving like this. As part of the COVID inquiry, they need to look at this sort of behaviour. And actually what Sunak should do is actually level with the British public about this and give a wholehearted apology.
a proper apology to say that the government betrayed millions of people over the COVID restrictions. And actually what it also shows, the bigger picture on this, is that they knew in their hearts a lot of the restrictions that they were enforcing and everyone else were nonsense. But they did enforce those restrictions, which caused enormous damage on so many different levels. Many people were also pointing out that these COVID restrictions were nonsense. And those people were deplatformed or smeared and vilified. And yet, quite often the government were smearing and vilified or trying to shut down individuals who questioned their response to COVID. But here it is, time and time again, that the government were not even playing by their own set of rules. It is absolutely appalling. And I think one of the main reasons why the Tories are really struggling in the polls, yeah. it's not just the fact that it feels like a sort of end of administration, bag end government. But if you look at the polls, they've largely slid since all the information about Partygate came out. And I don't think the story is going to go away. Rightly so, because I think looking back on that two-year period, huge sacrifices were made by so many people. We all had the same problem, but within that, there was many, many different stories, human interest stories of collateral damages. And what makes it worse is the government, who were telling us to know our place, many of these representatives of the government were completely ignoring it. It's absolutely outrageous. And here's something that I think is uh, even more outrageous, that two of the people featured in this video, Sean Bailey himself, who, by the way, I think is a good guy and he fought a good campaign, but he shouldn't have had this party. This was wrong. And he did say so, to be fair. So he's in this video. And another guy who's in it is his uh, campaign manager, a guy called Ben Mallet. Now, Ben Mallet has gone on uh, to be given, I think, an OB and Sean Bailey has been ennobled. He's now Lord Sean Bailey. Uh, of course, these were Boris's honours. So they have this party. They've already been exposed for having it. We've got the shocking details today. But since we first found out that they just blatantly broke the rules, thought it was funny, you know, made jokes about don't tell anyone about the lockdown and all that, two of them get uh, honours. I mean, what's going on? They're laughing in our faces. You know, we, we, they're supposed to be public servants. The reason they exist is because we pay their wages. And over the most critical period facing the country since the Second World War, the COVID era, where huge sacrifices were made, they didn't just break the rules. They sneered about it. They laughed about it. Yeah. You know, they're taking the mickey of the rest of the population. And we, we deserve answers to this. The COVID inquiry needs to be an inquiry in the round. But one of the aspects needs to be... There's two aspects, actually. First of all, the restrictions, whether they worked or not, the collateral damage that went with the restrictions, but also the behaviour of representatives who are having these parties. It, you know, from top to bottom in society, people were adhering to the rules largely, whether they agreed with it or not. Even, you know, the Queen, at her husband's funeral, she was sitting by herself with a mask on. And yet... There's parties going on in Whitehall. The only hospitality that was open over that period were, were in Westminster at Whitehall. Yeah. I, I, I find this story, you know, nothing shocks me with this government. I don't like this administration. I think it's an appalling government. But if there's ever a story that would reinforce why millions of people have given up on this government, it's this story. It's the ultimate betrayal. Because for so long, everything was shut down at enormous cost to the country. And yet our government representatives or individuals connected to the public sector or the government in terms of the Tory party at all different levels were having these parties. And I think the public aren't really 
bothered by the story about Boris Johnson and the sort of Westminster bubble about Johnson, about where does he go from here with his politics and whether he's still going to have a chance to be an MP in the future yeah. or whether he's going to set up a political party. What they're concerned about is why these parties happened in the first place. Considering the rest of us, us plebs, we were all sacrificing things on so many different levels. And we're not really getting to the bottom of this. The government aren't really apologizing. What Sunak should do is really, really go in on this and say, we, all of us, we got this wrong. Yeah, and we understand the anger that's happening in communities about this. It's absolutely appalling. You're right. I think they need to be a big, uh, a big mea culpa. There's part of me, I often go, oh, come on, get over it. It's two, three years ago. But this is yeah. why uh, I'm wrong to have that attitude. This is from Craig in Durham. Sums up why we should take this kind of story seriously. He said, uh, Kevin, it's Craig in Durham, and it gets me mad when I could not see my mother and sister and grandfather because they died in the first lockdown and they were living in Leeds. So, you know, the, it's the people who lost loved ones during the COVID crisis while they were trying to obey the rules. It's the people who couldn't get to see their grandfathers and their grandmothers because they were locked in care homes uh, because they were obeying the rules. These are the people that get furious about the Westminster yeah. mob just enjoying themselves. And when Boris lies awake at night uh, looking back over the uh, ruins of his shattered career, he should remember that uh, him essentially turning a blind eye to these parties is what has wrecked his career. Uh, Partygate, the, uh, the shambles continues apace. So I'm going to ask uh, everybody to phone in, let me know what you think about uh, this video today uh, and what you think about the Westminster people who broke the COVID rules that the rest of us tried to uh, adhere to. Uh, well, still on COVID, we're going to go to break in a second, um, James, but... Um, the COVID inquiry started this week, Baroness Hallett. Uh, I don't think we can uh, look forward to a particularly sceptical approach uh, because uh, anybody attending that inquiry has to have a lateral flow test and test negative, of course, and they're also being advised to wear masks. So I don't think that that inquiry uh, is uh, going to address the central questions that we want to answer. The central questions which it won't address, which is ridiculous, are these. Were the lockdowns necessary and did we as a nation overreact massively to the COVID crisis, to the virus? Those are the two questions. And yet those questions are taken as a given. Oh, of course, the lockdowns were necessary. And yes, we had to do everything we could. Well, no. No, I don't think the lockdowns were necessary. I think most intelligent people realise they didn't work. And yet that stupid inquiry isn't even going to address that question. What's the point of it's, it? It's one dimension. It's looking at the problem the wrong way around. The problem is what happened in terms of the collateral damages. And if, I've mentioned the example of Sweden many, many times. Sweden went on a different path. They trusted aspects of you know, pandemic public policy. They kept everything open. They didn't have the mask mandates. The schools were kept open. They didn't lock down. And here we are, lo and behold, three years on, guess which country with the OECD has the lowest excess deaths? <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> and they did their inquiry. They've already wrapped up their inquiry. Yeah. They, they held their nerve. What happened with this government is, uh, to begin with, the government were going to take a Sweden approach, and then they were spooked by the, a huge amount of media pressure demanding lockdowns. You know, in Isabel Oakshock's lockdown, that type of narrative is all there. You know, they, they, they pivoted. 
But the inquiry needs to look at the story of this, about why the government pivoted, but also what happened in terms of the response. Every single aspect of the response. Did mask mandates work? What about the schools closing? What about businesses shutting? What about the stupid rules within our hospitality sector? What about the, the business impact of this? What about the mental health issues? What about the increased numbers, waiting lists? Yeah. And, 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 and as, one, I say, Jack, as I say, that the central question is, and this is what I think most people are kind of realising, or a lot of people are realising, certainly I have, uh, lockdowns didn't work. I always said, yeah. look, if you have a lockdown, do you remember our first lockdown? I can't remember how long it was, for a couple of months or something. Uh, if you have a lockdown and then you unlock down, you open up again, and then three weeks later you've got to have another lockdown, by definition, it means the first lockdown didn't work. It's obvious. And yet, this inquiry is not going to address this. This inquiry is showing it's utterly uh, um, enthralled to the notion that this was a massive health crisis and we had to lock everything down. That's its starting point. Well, that should not be its starting point. Its starting point should be... Did we overreact? And those lockdowns, uh, we've got to look at them because it looks as if they were a mistake. It's as simple as that. If they don't do that, forget it. You're wasting our time and our money. And it certainly looks what that inquiry is set to do. It's set to be a waste of time and money. Uh, the first is, why did Boris honour, give honours to two of the people uh, who we already knew had attended this nefarious lockdown rule-breaking party uh, thrown by then mayoral candidate Sean Bailey who got a lordship, he's got a peerage and Ben Mallet, his campaign manager I think got an OBE. Why did they get honours? Uh, why have they been honoured? I mean, shouldn't they be punished or something? 03444991000. And since what many of us are asking is things like, was all that testing necessary during the COVID crisis? Are the politics, the, polit the political class were obsessed with it. But many of us thought, is this really necessary, all of this? Uh, and also many of us thought, masks, do we need to wear them? A lot of doctors said they're a waste of time. And yet... There's the COVID inquiry. You've got to test negative for a lateral flow test. This one year after all testing was abandoned, but not at the COVID inquiry, and, and you're advised to wear masks. Is that what you want from your COVID inquiry? It's ridiculous, isn't it? 03444991000. Back to you, James. Um, now, the psychodrama of Boris continues apace. Uh, he treated us yesterday in the Daily Mail to his brand-new column, one of the worst, most boring columns I've ever read in my life, so thanks very much for that. A million quid, we hear, he's getting, so if I was the Daily Mail, I'd ask for my money back, uh, but I'm sure it'll get better. The only way is up after yesterday's effort. Uh, but uh, the psychodrama continues apace, and, uh, but um, uh, Rishi Sunak says he hasn't got time for Boris or his psychodrama, because he's busy trying to solve the migrant crisis. Uh, we're hearing, we don't know yet, but uh, there are estimates that when the figures are finally counted for the past week, 4,000 migrants will have come across the channel. We don't know that for sure, but that's what I'm hearing. 4,000. Uh, so what happened to... Uh, he says he's too busy for Boris. Uh, he hasn't got time for that. Uh, but he's not exactly being that effective when it comes to stopping the boats, is he? Haven't had time to fix all our major issues. Many of these issues were caused by the government not having time. You know, whether it's immigration, whether it's NHS crisis, whether it's aspects of education, aspects of crime, the government, our infrastructures, public services.
What the government, what, what have the government actually done to improve any of this stuff? What we've had is a government that has largely indulged over the last 12 months in grubby leadership contests, of which Sunak is front and centre of all of that. He's effectively, by some, his own sort of political machinations and plotting, brought down two prime ministers. The Tories, the thing that they've been focusing on is about who's going to be prime minister. They're more focused on sort of internal Game of Thrones rather than anything else. So meanwhile, last summer, well, the, the, the issue with immigration in terms of the migrant crisis was increasing, plus the cost of living crisis was coming down the tracks and inflation was rising. And then we had winter with energy prices and so on. The government weren't doing anything. They were working out who was going to be prime minister. And again, like we just talked about with the COVID response and about them having parties, the public are looking at our government and what are they doing? They're ignoring the major issues. They're more concerned about playing, you know, clinking glasses and parties and having grubby power games. And that defines the Sunak era as well. He's become prime minister, his own self-entitlement. But what has he done? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been in power for half time. Surely there should be some policies in place. Listen, listen to this, James. Listen to this. This is his quote. This is uh, yesterday. Uh, this is him talking about the, the migrant crisis. I mean, what is he, like four years old? Listen to this. I'm really on it, doing everything I can, straining every sinew, trying everything we haven't tried before. I mean, what is he? As I say, is he four years old or something? I mean, that's no, that's no good. The problem is, Rishi, you can tell us you're really on it and trying everything you can, but it's not working, is it? He reminds me of like, you know, that football manager that's running out of steam. They keep <laughs> losing game after game after game, and they come up with more and more rhetoric, and they sound more and more desperate, combined with management speak. And that's what's in I guess it's all bluster. There's nothing there. I mean, and he doesn't connect with people either. There's no, there's no charisma. There's no identity to his politics. Uh, the migrant crisis has been building up for weeks, and he keeps coming out with the same sound bites, the same platitudes, but he's not actually doing anything. He said right at the start, when he became prime minister, that he was going to be sort of a man of action and transparency. <laughs> he, he's a diametric opposite of that. Yeah. And so we've got a general election next year, and what a choice we have. We have a government that's run out of steam, led by someone who has no common touch whatsoever and no fulfilled policies that are improving the country versus a leader of the opposition who's one of the dullest people ever to be in British politics. It's a terrible zero-sum game. <laughs> I mean, I feel politically homeless. I think millions of people do. But, but the problem with this is people are disenfranchised. And that's not good enough. What we need is individuals within our political system who are proper public servants, who are trying to do their best for society on a local and national level. But instead, we have a bunch of politicians, in particular the government, who have, in the last year, been asleep at the wheel on some major issues like the cost of living crisis, because instead they've been focusing on squabbles about who's going to be their leader. It's, yeah. it, the whole, it is, you know, I've said this a number of times. When we look at the government, we look at the opposition, it's like a hollow Easter egg. You know, you basically open it up and there's nothing there. Yeah. And I think most people see it that way. And I feel sorry for the millions of people who've been savagely affected by the COVID era and the cost of living crisis. And yet they look at our two political parties. 
Two cheeks of the same backside. That's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> that's that's, that's a very well put. Uh, can I just, uh, talking of the choice between the two parties, uh, just before you go, uh, Ed Miliband, uh, he's the climate change secretary, uh, shadow secretary. Uh, I think he's called calls himself the climate emergency shadow secretary or something. Uh, he has uh, praised, uh, lavished... Uh, much praise on Just Stop Oil, uh, praising their exciting activism. He's called for it to be sustained. Uh, he's hailed uh, their road-blocking antics as a fantastic success, and he wants more of it. So if you vote for Labour, uh, they'll no doubt empower Just Stop Oil to block up your roads, block up your bridges, completely ruin your life. Uh, Labour support that. Ed Miliband thinks it's great. It's like a bunch of clowns leading the circus. It's just, this is another example of this. It's crass logic solutions. I'm all for the right to protest. That should be part of a free and liberal society. But there's consequences with disruptive protests as well. You know, maybe these protesters, you know, I'm a great, I'm a, a, environmentalism is a massive thing for me, but I've got no time with the net zero response. I think it is crass logic. And actually, a lot of these protesters should be focusing where the real problems are, for instance, our polluted waterways and rivers, our oceans that are from the COVID era, and also the real source of emissions, if you want to go into that debate, and that's China. I mean, it's again, we're focusing on the wrong issues. The protesters are focusing on the wrong issues. They're more concerned with spraying orange dust on snooker tables <laughs> and you know, disrupt, disrupting, you know, flower shows, rather than actually taking a step and going, what is proper environmentalism? How do we really save the planet? How do we have effective measures to do that? Rather than just disruptive protests. It's, 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 it's utterly ridiculous, and it doesn't surprise me that there's Ed Miliband supporting this. Yeah, and I, I think the majority of the public look at these protests and think, this is ridiculous. It's stopping individuals from going to work, getting their kids to school, sometimes it's stopping them from going to hospital, and yet we have Ed Miliband supporting this this is the problem with our politics they're leading us completely in the wrong direction yeah so if you vote uh, folks if you vote for labor you vote for ed miliband who thinks that when stop oil uh, stop you getting to the hospital stop you getting to work block up the roads block up the bridges ed miliband thinks that's exciting activism that should be sustained sustained uh, and it's a fantastic success so vote labor uh, and get just stop oil uh, james Great to talk to you as always. Thanks so much for your time. That's great.